Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Oh, yes, indeed. Back after a very eventful, busy, spirited weekend, both sports and otherwise. Hope everybody out there had a great weekend as well. Welcome to another week of a semi-award-winning programming here on the Two Guys and a Mike Show, TalkZone.com. Big Dog and the coach were at your service, and now the best part of the show is when we shut up and you enjoy the award-winning music of the TalkZone.com. Oh, silence is golden, Big Dog. That's what our listeners say. Less talking from us, more music from the talk zone. Some people could take that as an insult. I take it as a backhanded compliment. It's the way you look at it. How are you, Big Dog? Everything good? You had a good weekend, my friend. Uh, I had a fabulous weekend, and and most other people are usually like, oh, I I got to relax, (laughs) spend time with family, got to have a couple beers. Luckily for me, it meant I got to work all weekend. Mm-hmm. It was an awfully good coach uh, tour, doing the tour guide stuff down on the Chicago River. Had a real good time. I, I'm loving it. Little uh, middle of June, big dog uh, giving tours on the Chicago River. A little chilly on a Friday and a Saturday. Yesterday a little bit better. I went out. Uh, you were on the river, big dog near the lake. Had to be a freezing cold. I went out to a baseball game, Little League Park. On Saturday, and, and I'm watching some of the grandparents and the parents, you know, with their little lawn chairs and whatever. They got jackets on, a couple of them with scarves and hats. I'm like, this is the middle of June, Little League Baseball. People are freezing cold. Had to be a little chilly out there for you, for you on the boat, I would, I would imagine. Okay, you do realize this is via kayak, so basically, uh, you're working out pretty hard. So, uh, I can do it in a t-shirt, no problem, coach. Okay. T-shirt and shorts all day yesterday. But as I was riding the bike home, I was like, wow, I'm freezing. I mean, trust me, Coach, it was a turtle yesterday. One of the great, great feelings you can get in this uh, lifetime is, is bicycling with the wind at your back. One of the worst feelings that you could get in our lifetime is bicycling when it's cold into a stiff wind. Uh, coach, I, I couldn't agree more with you. <laughs> and, you know, it, it just so happens like the first date that I had with the girl that I, I'm dating now. Yeah. On the way there, it was like the wind was at my back. And there you it took go. Like 12 minutes to get there. On the way home, I knew oh, I was going to be a good freaking day. Just in the be a good wind. day. On the way home, an hour to get home. See, that's that's it. Times longer. That that was a. Uh... That was, you know, it's a synonym of life, really. That was an omen. That's the word I'm looking for, an omen of things to come in your relationship. On the way there, the wind at your back, my friend. But on the way, at the end of the night, fighting into a stiff wind. I think that was uh, God's symbolism to you, Big Dog, both in dating and in life. So what are you trying to say, Coach? I'm not sure. I've totally confused myself, if not the listeners out there, but that's what I like to do. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm trying to say, but all I know is when you're bicyc- bicycling, into what's worse, bicycling uphill or bicycling into the wind? Uh, bicycling into the wind. Because you can see, you can see the top of the hill. That's true. Okay? Uh, you you don't know when the end of the wind is coming. Usually, it's when you get through Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I don't want to ride that far <laughs> in order to get to the end of the wind. Yeah, 
And to me, if you're going to go on a bicycle trip, fascinating discussion. We'll get to the NBA Finals, Baseball, NHL Finals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But first, we're talking wind here on the show. To me, psychologically, Big Dog, and this, you know, this, this is an interesting microcosm on people. If you're taking a trip, I personally, definitely want to go into the wind first. So as tough as it is, psychologically, I know I've got the wind at my back. If I'm taking a long bicycle trip and I know i got the wind with me, I'm enjoying it, but not enjoying it as much as I normally would because I know psychologically in the back of my mind, damn, i got to take this tame trip back into the wind. What do you like first, the good news or the bad news? No, no, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Okay. I couldn't agree more. It, it, it's got to be that way. Yep. It, it, it has to be that way. Unless, of course, you know, I'm like giving the workouts on the river because, trust me, Kayaking into the rim is Oof. wind is ten times harder than bicycling wow. into the wind. See, I've never done that, but boy, kayaking itself is hard. So, well, no, it's actually easy. You, you get a good instructor. You get somebody like me. You'll be cruising in no time. I'm not kidding. Uh-huh. Just, okay. just flying around. All right. So very good. Your first official weekend as a tour guide. Did you do any solo? Are you starting to, um, you know, do the architectural? Uh, uh, tour by yourself or how's it working out so well, far i've been going with charlie who is the owner okay okay and he keeps on letting me do more and more of the tour mm-hmm. and i think he's pretty comfortable now that he's going to let me go out cool and start doing tours by myself which would be good which is going to pay me twice as much as what i'm doing now which is needed trust S- me coach speaking of pay last weekend the best tip he got was twenty dollars this weekend top tip zero i didn't get anything what? from these people oh unbelievable unbelievable oh. You swoopers, what's wrong with you? Come on. You're, you're so cheap, you're paying like a rock bottom for this. You can't even pay me to get oh, your 100-pound boat back and forth for you. You get off the kayak at the end of the tour guide and you don't shake hands with a little greenery in your hand? No, with, it didn't happen. Oh, that's, that's it didn't not happen right. This week. I that's really not didn't. right. You know, and I don't want to be like, hey, I work for tips, because I hate when people say that to me. But I think I might just start to swallow my pride. Yep. Or maybe I'll just wear the shirt. Yeah. Now, you need to come up with a, you gotta say it the right way. I've been on tours where they actually do pretty much, and they say it in a nice, non-offensive way, but they kind of explain that, hey, basically their salary is based on tips, so if you enjoy the tour, you know, appreciate anything you can give out. You may need to uh, spread that message, my friend. Okay, well, I'll have to do that when uh, Charlie isn't there, I guess. Ah, alright. Well, how many tours did you go on this weekend? Uh, just two. Okay. Just two, but I mean, cool. the, uh, I mean, it, it's, I love the job, Coach, is what I'm saying. It's, it's a good thing. And I'm going to have it on Thursday. I'm dodging traffic again. <laughs> so you will not be able to do Thursday's show? Is that what I'm, I'm hearing uh, from you? Actually, I'm going to still be able to do all the shows, but I just want to let people know that I like oh. on Thursday afternoon. Okay. You can get the Dick Big Dog Special. Wow. Wow. Waterriders.com, right? Yes, waterriders.com, and ask for the Thursday afternoon Big Dog Special. <laughs> All right, that is legal, right? People won't get arrested for that? No, absolutely not. All right. uh, basically, any uh, friends of the program basically pay next to nothing uh-huh. to go on a Thursday afternoon. All right, because I know there's many hotel maids that have gotten in trouble before trying to uh, you know, bargain down the Big Dog's uh, Thursday afternoon special. But yeah, this is different. That was over a cashmere sweater, Coach. It was something totally different. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think when you said "come tuck me in," that was the start of the trouble. But that's a whole other, whole other story. I didn't say tuck, Coach. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad you had a great weekend, Big Doe. We hope all of our listeners uh, had a good one as well, wherever you might be from sports and or otherwise. And uh, certainly, dog, as we look to the sporting world, no lack of things to talk about. I told David Olson, our producer, we need two hours today. An hour's not enough. And he, of course, totally disregarded that. But, you know, at least I thought I'd give it a shot. Uh, the NBA, the National Basketball Association season, has concluded, my friend. And the Miami Heat were not the champions. How about that? Uh, the only thing disappointing about yesterday's game, it, was, it wasn't it was the Bulls that uh, that were able to knock out the, the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. Coach, I hate to sit here and be like, what do they call him, a hater and all that stuff. But I don't know. I, I, they, they try to take the shortcut. And said, "Hey, we'll, we'll all go together. You know, we'll try to." And it didn't work out. Let's see. I mean, the story is not finally written. You know, I mean, those guys, these guys, could play for the next four, five, ten years. You know what I'm saying, Coach? So oh, no question. The, the story is not done, but at least they got to come up in the first year. Yep. Nice to see the Dallas Mavericks. You know, everybody hating on the uh, Miami Heat. Good to see, for the most part. Bunch of good guys on the Dallas Mavericks, guys that have been playing for a long time. So you can hate on the Heat, but let's also uh, enjoy a pretty good. Pretty team-oriented, uh, pretty group of, good group of nice guys, the Dallas Mavericks, who finally, finally win a championship for the franchise. Guys like, what, Jason Kidd, 17 years. Dirk Nowitzki, 13 years. Jason Terry, uh, their head coach, Rick Carlisle, I think his coach, what, about 11 different teams. He finally well, wins a championship. A 50 win, every one of them had a 50-win season. Yeah, he's pretty good. And played, and played better than they were supposed to. Mm-hmm. Why did he get fired, then? Usually because he gets replaced by like a Larry Brown. Okay? okay. Or, you know, something like that. That's why he's only been fired twice, coach. Mm-hmm. So don't act like he's been. Okay. Yeah, you, know, you run out of town yeah. places. I mean. I still remember a Rick Carlisle playing guard for the Virginia Cavaliers. That's how old I am. I remember Carlisle was a collegiate basketball player, but, uh, had a Mavericks knock off the Heat 4-2. They were down 2-1 in the series, so they win three in a row. Who would have thunk it? They win it at Miami. They shut up the Heat fans. I enjoyed that almost more than, than the, uh, you know, watching uh, Dwayne Wade and, and LeBron and Chris Bosch lose. Most of them, they all, Bosch, Wade, LeBron, they all stuck around. They did the handshakes. You could see they were definitely emotionally affected by it. I mean, they wanted, to win, I haven't seen disappointment in body language and in facial expression, big dog, uh, that severe, I think I could use that word, in a long time. But they did stick around. I thought they handled it at least, for the most part, with class. Well, what with Dirk Nowitzki, did you watch the end of the game? Yeah, he, he had to run off the court. He was what? crying so hard. Dirk! What, why did he run off the court? He was crying so hard. Is that what it was? He lost it. All right, because, you know, here it is. Championship, your fans want to see you. The star player, the marquee player. Boom! They win the, the clock ticks triple zero and boom, he goes right in the locker room. We didn't, I needed to celebrate with the Dirk Nowitzki. He isn't all about the limelight. That's a guy who truly loves the game of okay. basketball and, and finally accomplished the dream that he's always had, which was to win, win the whole thing. So what did you think about the fourth quarter performance? I got a couple psychological thoughts, but your thoughts, big dog, as you watch the heat not able to close yet again against the Mavs in the fourth it, quarter. And it was because of lack of aggressiveness. It wasn't because, you know, uh, uh, like the, the 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 ball wasn't going down. It was because they were standing around. Dick Vitale, Dickie V put it perfectly. The easiest player to guard in basketball is the one that doesn't move. And LeBron took himself out of the game by standing around and watching everybody else last night. Mm-hmm. That's what he tweeted. And, you know, Dickie Vitale is exactly right. 
Uh, so psychologically, what uh, Le- LeBron didn't want to be the one who missed the shot, so he decided not to take it. Uh, what, what else could you What else could you possibly say? Why wasn't a, a guy that is supposedly the greatest player on the planet mm-hmm. being like, "Oh, our season is on the brink. I need to start dominating." Mm-hmm. You know, he would go to the hole and then pass and pass it to a guy that wasn't in a good situation to shoot. I mean, just chuck it up there, create some contact, do something. It, it was uh, it was ext- it was hard to watch, Coach. I don't like watching bad basketball, uh-huh. and, and it almost seemed like the Heat were they were so flustered, flabbergasted, had no idea what to do, and didn't want to be the scapegoat. And here they are, the scapegoat. And I, I want to say something honestly, Coach. I within a two day period, LeBron James said two of the dumbest things on, on two totally different levels, but two of the dumbest things I have ever heard. First of all, the the quote that everybody's talking about that he said last night. And that was basically uh, to everybody that wanted him to lose. Well, guess what? You're going to wake up tomorrow, and you're just going to be your poor little you. Yeah. Wake up, and I'm going to be LeBron James. Yeah. I can do whatever I want. Maybe he didn't mean it as harsh as it came off, Coach. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. he's an idiot for saying it. Yeah, okay. that's not good. You just, you I can know, I can understand I, his emotion and to some extent. He's an idiot for believing it, and then but even if he doesn't, he's an idiot for saying it. Almost. You, you, oh, you want to be a billionaire uh, by selling shoes and all that? Well, guess what? You just, about 5% of the people who still can yep. stand you, you just lost them. Yeah. Okay. And here's the other thing. I'm just, just before I get to it, he said something on, on the day before and they asked him about, um, you know, you haven't been shooting the ball well. Is it, is it about your technique? And he's like, no, oh, at this point in the season, it's not about technique. It's just whether it goes in or not. Well, all I know is, uh, one of the greatest clutch players in the history of earth, Michael Jordan, when he took his last shot as Chicago Bull, the first thing he said to me was, or said to himself was, I have to have great technique, and I have to go back to the fundamentals on this shot. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. so, you know, the right then, so another, just the sense, does he really believe that? Does he really do it? When the game is on the line, when your season is on the line, the only thing that you can rely on are your fundamentals and mm-hmm. be able to make sure that you have great technique. Because if you can't rely on that, then you might as well just kiss your butt goodbye because your opponent definitely yeah. And that's where practice comes in because you can't be thinking about your technique in the middle of the mm-hmm. game. You need to practice it. Even if you're the best at it, you got to work at it. Before game, you got to work at it. Even in the halftime, get out there and shoot around a little bit. you got to practice with proper technique. So come clutch times, you don't think about it. You automatically, by force of habit, you shoot with the proper technique, but that only comes through hard work, Big Dumb. Yeah, you're exactly right, Coach. And... You know, I've never coached before, but you know, who knows the way my life goes? Who knows? Ten years from now, I might end up being a coach somewhere. I just that's when, if whenever there's a a tense or serious situation in the game, I'm just like, hey, just rely on your fundamentals, guys. Mm-hmm. That's what they got to do, and everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. And it, it's as simple as that. And so here's another guy saying it doesn't matter, and this is a guy playing it in the biggest spotlight in the most, and you know, and for him, let, let's admit, this finals meant more to a particular player. Think about it. in the history of MVP, when was more like like uh, pressure put on one player mm-hmm. to win an NBA Finals? I mean, uh, Jordan in '91 when he finally got there. Remember, because it was like, oh, you're a one man team, and blah blah blah. But it, it was a little different. It wasn't hated. It was more like, hey, this guy really wants to win, and you know, sometimes. Yeah. How, how much of that ball. though? How much of that is LeBron James, and how much of that is media? Blow up, and it's almost like uh, you know in the political situation with you know Wienergate with Anthony Weiner, how the media has completely blown that up and forgotten totally 
about his political stances and some of the wonderful things he's done. They blew that up. A little bit similar in the LeBron James situation. I mean, you could look at I'll play devil's advocate for a brief moment in time, Big Dog, and we haven't thrown our phone number out here. You want to talk NBA Finals? We'll get to baseball in a little bit, folks, and some other stories. But right now, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Dallas Mavericks, and the NBA Finals as they conclude. Our phone number here, if you want to check in, 888-463-6748-888-463-6748. Dial it up, talk NBA Finals. Big Dog, you know, you could take the approach, and I think I mentioned this last week a little bit, that LeBron James has never said that he's better than Michael Jordan or the greatest player in the world. What he said is he wants to win a championship. Oh, uh, 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 hold on, hold on. Uh, not one, not two, not three, not four, all right. not five, not six, not seven. I want to win. That's the championships I want to win. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. Okay, Coach. Right. He didn't say he wants to win a championship. Yeah. He's talking about eight. He's talking about Bill Russell territory. That's why he switched his his number to to six. And it isn't because he switched his number to six because mm-hmm. he has six toes. People, everybody out there acting like LeBron James has an extra digit, like Alfonso Alfonso Alfonseca, it's wrong. <laughs> that's a, it's myth. You know that that's an urban legend going out there. And there was a picture of him with uh-huh. six toes the other day, and it just happened to just yeah. be a shadow. Well, there's a lot of guys that want to win eight championships. Uh, you know, ex Chicago Bull Leon Benbo. I think came out and said he'd like to win eight championships too. We can't all win it all. People think you're all the superstars of the one. Hey, just because you're not as talented doesn't mean you don't want to win. There could be player number seven, uh, number ten on any particular team, and that guy wants to win championships every bit as much as LeBron James. Right. We emphasize too much that it's the superstar who, who so badly wants to win championships. Well, that's a bunch of crap. They all want to win. They're competitors. Well, the, the one thing that we need to do more on the show is when one of us asks a question is to answer it. And and, and you said it, it wasn't that LeBron James – it's the media who did this. Coach, LeBron James, with him saying stuff like not not two, not three, not four, all that stuff, uh, brought it on himself. You know, this wiener guy, okay, well, you know what? Maybe they're going way out of hand by it. Mm-hmm. But if you start using public Twitter accounts to start doing stuff like that, and you don't expect some type of backlash, you're a moron. And you're, you're definitely, no. there is way too much made out of all this stuff. But you know what? There's also, people need to be accountable. Uh, LeBron James needs, needs to be smarter than to say the stuff that he did yesterday up mm-hmm. on the, on the microphone. Yeah. Okay. Maybe Michael Jordan lied for 13 years. He was with the Chicago Bulls. Okay. But he never said one thing that you didn't look back on and be like, you know what? That guy gets it. Even if he said something harsh about a teammate or something like that, it's actually productive. Jordan never looked like an only thing he looked close to being in, like bad about was when he did not mm-hmm. go to the White House in 1992. Do you remember that? And then all of a sudden after the career that you start finding out that uh, him and Schwarzenegger had a competition to see how many girls they can bag. <laughs> Take it easy. Take it easy. I, I, you know, LeBron, the first comments, I had not heard those, but that's brutal. I can understand the frustration of LeBron James, all these little couch potatoes out there spending all their time, you know, hating him and worrying about, uh, you know, him not getting a championship and not their own lives and bettering their own lives. So I see that a little bit. But when you take the next step and you then say, I'm going to wake up the next morning, you're going to be your own, you know, you start putting down Mm -hmm. other people's lives and saying how great Mm -hmm. you're, oh boy, that's, that's yeah. about a bad a public relations snafu as you can do, Big Dog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, that's what I'm getting at. And yeah. uh, and the, the guy is extremely talented. But you know what? It, it's if you cower and that, I mean, it, it, he didn't lose with guns a blazing. Like you know, like oh, I can't wait for the rematch. He lost. Like wow, he stood around and I mean, you watch the game, Coach. Is, is it that 
you can I, I can't say he stood around 100% of the time but if you're mm-hmm. if you're the the leader of the team I know Dwayne Wade might be the emotional leader all that other stuff but if if you're 6 foot 8 255 pounds, all muscle can jump out the gym and you can ha- and you have handles you got to just impose your will and if you you needed to lose that game be able to look yourself in the eye being like I mm-hmm. I gave everything I had there's no way that he can Yeah you you could see it in the fourth quarter a different personality I'm not going to use the word choke but a different personality. It's not LeBron James does not naturally have an impose your will personality. He's more of a complimentary type superstar. I know those two words can be a little bit in. Uh... Just Scottie Pippen was one, and this well, Pippen could have played on any championship team ever as long yeah. as there was other championship players around him. Yeah, you know you can criticize LeBron for it, or you could realize that's part of his personality. He didn't turn it over too many times. Basically, when the ball was passed to him, he did pass the ball quickly and move the ball to teammates. He Clearly, though, you are right. He did not want to shoot the ball a lot. He didn't even want to try to take the ball to the hoop and create very much. He went into a uh, complimentary mode trying to pass the ball to open teammates. It was I found it fascinating from a psychological aspect to see him play like that in the last uh, 8 to 10 minutes of the game. And, and you know what the funny thing is, Coach? He could have taken the game over and still not taken a shot and distributed the teammates. But it yep. wasn't like, he, you know, you know, he didn't do either. Mm-hmm. He didn't either. And it's not like, you know, let's face it, both you, you and I understand that a guy can dominate a game and only get 10 points in a ball game. Like Tyson Chandler, you know, Tyson Chandler could have played on the Bulls teams in the 90s because the simple fact that he might not be able to play offense, but he could dominate so well defensively, help defense, rebound, uh, offensive putbacks on alley-oops and stuff. So w- what's LeBron's strength? It's getting to the hole and being unselfish. Mm-hmm. So fundamentally, son, that's what he does. That's what he sh- – That's what. I don't know why your expulsor just doesn't like grab him by the throat and be like, take somebody off the dribble and go to the hole. Mm-hmm. And if there's yeah. somebody somebody there, that's or, why going to be wide open in the corner. That's get, why they put Eddie House in the game. They didn't put him in there for defensive purposes. Get down on the post and demand the basketball. On the other hand, again, I'm playing uh, devil's advocate again. Again, you want to join the uh, conversation, 888-463-6748. You want to play the devil's advocate to the devil advocate. I love double negatives. I love okay. double entendres, too. But uh, uh, just to give you an example, Big Doug, Derek Rose has that will-to-win personality, has that want-to-take-over, has that refuse-to-live personality, refuse-to-lose mm-hmm. And to some extent, this could sound a little bit harsh, but it might have cost the Chicago Bulls a chance at the championship because down the stretch he tried to do too much. So LeBron, yeah. you know, LeBron was at the opposite end of it where he played too much of a complimentary role. But sometimes you can take that role a little bit too far too and try to do everything and That's force it up, which Derrick Rose did. Did you watch the ESPN post game coverage? I only watched the championship celebration with a David Stern and a Mark Cuban. And, uh, by the way, Hannah Storm. She's a phenomenal coach. Hannah Storm looking awfully good. I, You know, my Hannah Storm love, it went up, up, up in the early years. And then I, I got, I lost the love for Hannah. But, boy, last night her on-court persona, just the whole, the look and the easy, very, very good. Coach, she's phenomenal. Especially yes. when she's doing anything NBA or NFL. Hannah Storm is as good as a guest. I'm not kidding you as a host. All right. I mean, the, the woman knows those two sports, like, really, really well. Producer extraordinaire David Olson apparently has some Hannah Storm thoughts. Oh, no, she she looked fantastic. Yes. But, but on the flip side of that, Mark Cuban looks terrible. Yes, I he, noticed like that. He looks bloated and, and yeah, yeah. steroidal. No, the, the word is puffy. Yes. He looks puffy. Not healthy. No, 
like 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 Vince Vaughn Puffy. Yeah, is he that's do, how he looks. Is he doing roids? You think? I, I thought that I same thing. I have no idea. I have no Maybe idea. Maybe it was the fact that the, the coach and the GM told him to shut up, and he hasn't been able to work off all the energy in the playoffs. So awesome. that's basically his exercise. Yeah, he he was somewhat understated through the series, even in the championship celebration. He didn't get too ridiculous, but I agree, David. He, yeah, he just, I didn't even recognize him. Yeah. I didn't even recognize yeah. him, but as far as being silent through the, the series, you, you got, you, you can bet that order came from upstairs. You know, sit down, shut up and enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though, even though he's the highest man upstairs, I think they were the, the, the second, third and fourth highest guys were like, Hey, do not put any attention on yourself. All the players are going to be like, why isn't our owner freaking out? Maybe that'll create some calm amongst this team. Because obviously they showed poise. Oh, my goodness. And if any team showed poise in a playoff basketball series over the last 10 years, it was the Dallas Mavericks because nothing phased those guys mm-hmm. the whole time. That had to play a little bit into it. Because when you're used to this manacle guy right behind your bench, but all of a sudden that manacle guy in the most pressure points of the series is like smiling and smirking and not yelling and screaming after a bad call. Yep. Maybe you're like, wow, maybe this is our year. Maybe the guy finally shut up. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I think that had a little bit to do with it, Coach. It's an interesting, it's not. It's a psychological aspect I had not thought of, but you know what? It, it, maybe even the players didn't think about it subconsciously, mm-hmm. but you're right. It might have had a slight settling effect, but the, what a run by the Dallas Mayor. And you, we talked about a big dog in their very first series. Who'd they beat in the first round? Um, they, got, they went to six or seven games in the first round, didn't they? They, they've had, they, they had, they've had, they've been down in series this year. Okay. And, and then by the end of the series, you were like, yeah, without a doubt, the best team won. But I do know that the Memphis Grizzlies perfectly, purposely lost games so they didn't have to play the Dallas Mavericks. And mm-hmm. they went from six to eight when they lost games. Uh, who did they play in the, they were three, it was three six. I can't remember who they, they had a rough time in the first round, coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like, like you thought they were going to lose, but it wasn't a, a cruise victory like you would expect in a okay. They they beat Portland four games to two. Okay, okay, yeah, that, that's right. And if you remember, they blew a gigantic lead. Remember, they had like a they blew like a twenty two point fourth quarter lead in that series, and it's like the biggest collapse in the fourth quarter in the history of the NBA. That's the type of poise that team had. They came out the next game and blew out Portland the next game after that, coach. I don't so, think it was the Portland series where we started to see what I call the, the look and the, the collective look in the eye. Who'd they play next day? The Lakers and they swapped. That's, them. that's, yeah, I mean, they, that's they just where you destroyed saw. the Lakers. Round two against the Lakers, you started to see a Dallas Maverick team that just had a, a rare folk. Everybody was talking about the Heat and the Bulls and the Celtics big job, but the Dallas Mavericks quietly snuck up on people. Yeah, and and uh, Oklahoma City Thunder show that they have some talent, but yeah, they definitely aren't on the the championship level yet of the Dallas Mavericks coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's something. Uh, well, I would, last night during the coverage that I, that I was getting to when you when you brought up Hannah Storm. By the way, mine is Ann Curry. I can't help it, Coach. She's 16 years older than me, and that's why I'm, I'm I have to I have to get over it. Somehow. She is the new uh, host of the Today Show, right? Oh, oh, my goodness, Coach. I've been waking up at 7 a.m. Beautiful, in the last couple days. Beautiful, lovely Ann Curry, who made the rare mistake and, and understandable mistake of, uh, oh, she at the Wheaton College in New Jersey. Uh-huh. You heard about this? Oh, no. Uh, she was given the graduation speech and, and crediting some of the great alumni of Wheaton College. And who are some of the famous people? Uh, boy, I'm forgetting the names now. But they were all from Wheaton College in Illinois. Like, <laughs> Oops! And apparently she had Googled and got on it after having a couple cocktails the night before. But, uh, yeah, Ann Curry, beautiful and lovely. She's a second behind Anna Storm right now in my female camaraderie. Oh, really? 
it, Coach. You, she's even higher on your list. Normally, we don't cross paths like that. <laughs> you, better, you better back off. You're married, and she's my number one. Okay. Uh, they brought up a great point about uh, the fact that it seems like there's too many players nowadays that that don't want to be coached. Mm-hmm. Okay, and a lot of players nowadays aren't very introspective. Like like Dirk Nowitzki, every year would figure out a way to get better. Like he would look at his game and say, oh, yeah. "I have to improve on this." Yeah, he'd work out with his with his uh, shooting coach from uh, Germany. They 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 would pick a different move each summer to perfect to add to his repertoire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and he would also work on stuff that he had weaknesses on. Yep. Okay, so oh, I have weakness here. Magic Johnson talked about how he was in after '84 the in Game Seven he cost the Lakers the championship. Okay, and they started calling him Tragic Magic. So all he did in the off season was perfect his ball handling skills. And it really made him a greater player because he knew he cost his team the championship. Like, is LeBron James going to do that? And I thought Wilbon brought up a great point, Coach. This is a great point. He's like, out of the young guys, not the Kobe Bryants and the Dirks and the Tim Duncans of the world, how many of the young players really seem like they'll do whatever it takes to get better? And he said Kevin Durant and Derrick Rose. Yeah, I was going to say Derrick Rose uh, is one of those guys who will. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, like, I I don't know if Michael Westbrook is going to be one of those kids. You know what I mean? I don't. I mean, possibly you can't give up on a kid who's 22. Mm-hmm. If you think that's that's an advantage that Derrick Rose will really have. You, know, you talked about how he's got that killer instinct coach and mm-hmm. go after it. I also think he's smart enough to realize that maybe him pressing too hard costs his team the game. So I think he'll get better, coach, and we're not going to have to worry about that as Bulls fans. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Big dog and a coach at your service, folks. Talk a little NBA Finals as they. Basketball season, big dog, you think about it, it starts, what, back in early October. We go through high school basketball, college, the March Madness, the whole bit. It finally ends on, uh, what's today, June 13th. It's a long and winding road, my friend, but uh, basketball is officially over. Of course, we still have the WNBA to celebrate. Hey, Coach, don't forget what else is going about. The Stanley Cup playoffs are still going. Woo! Wow! When, when does that ever happen? That's uh, the NBA Finals. We're capped before the the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, honestly, I can't ever remember that. Even in um, possibly in an Olympic year, but this year wasn't an Olympic year, mm-hmm. so it's uh, it's odd. It's cool though. We still have uh, we still have a Game Six to go in Boston. Is that game tonight? Game Six, seven o'clock, Channel Five tonight. Already got it on the tape machine, my friend. I haven't watched a lot of hockey this year, but uh, Game Six. I don't even know if I watched the first period. But I will tune in, assuming it's a somewhat close game. Watch a mid-second period and third period should be. I forgot to tape it, so I'm not getting home till nine. So I don't think I'm going to be able to. Hopefully, it goes to overtime and I can watch that. Yeah, that should be good stuff. Uh, the Boston Bruins, course, down three to two, and you got a little—I uh, don't know if you call it trash talking, but a little uh, back and forth, a little hence to forth, if you will, between Tim Thomas and Robert Luongo, the goalie for. Uh, Vancouver, you've been following that little battle of cliches, Big Dog? Yeah, just a little bit, but Luongo should shut up, okay? He really should. Either one of them, Luongo should definitely shut up. Well, we've seen Boston down in the series, and every time Boston's been down in the series playing at home, yep. they've absolutely annihilated yep. the Canucks. I mean, like, scared them off the ice. So, uh, Well, they've also pulled out in previous series a couple of Game 7s, so they've had their back to the wall a lot. They're used to this position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and here's the other interesting statistic. We uh, switched from the NBA to the NHL. The Boston Bruins, I think I got the statistic right. This is amazing. They've given up six goals in five games. 
Six goals in five games, and they're behind in the series three to two. How does that happen, Dawn? Yeah, yeah, I guess you're, that's exactly what the score is. You're exactly right. Six they, goals in five games, and you're trailing in the series? Yeah, they won 2 1. Yeah. Uh, they won 1 nothing, then 3 2. So that's four goals. And then they got shut out, and then they scored two in the last game to win. <laughs> that's unreal, Coach. Uh, the defense has been fine. The Bruins got to find a way to score. Well, they scored plenty once they got big leads. They got to find a way to score goals when uh, in close games. <laughs> you know that that's like reminiscent of uh, the 1960 World Series where the the Yankees outscored the the Pirates. They outscored them 55-27, which is more than two to one, and mm-hmm. the Pirates won the series. Well, because the Pirates won four one-run ball games and got destroyed by like 15 in the other three. Yeah, they don't go by total score. They go by games one. But uh, it should be interesting. Game six tonight. And again, uh, we'll expect a few little uh, a little chippiness, if not all-out fisticuffs, as the two teams get more familiar with each other. But uh, Vancouver coming off a one nothing lead. They got the momentum back. I agree with you, Big Dog. And I'll be rooting for the Bruins tonight just so that we can experience one more. We've seen a lot of them. We've got our fill. But uh, one more game seven would be awful fun. Tuesday night, but no, not Tuesday. It could be Wednesday night. Yeah, I, I won't forget to uh, tape that one. No. So yeah, actually Wednesday night, I got nothing to do. So I know exactly what I'll be doing. Claudia will be bro- uh, uh, cooking up some broth, and I will be <laughs> drinking some beer. You know, there's something I don't know what it is, but I love springtime having to be just around dusk, barbecuing, drinking beer. Watching Stanley Cup hockey, coach. There's something. There's like the smell in the air. I just know I'm about to eat a broth. Watching a, some Stanley Cup hockey. It's an interesting concept. I like the uh, Game Six, Game Seven Stanley Cup hockey. I love the uh, the spring barbecue with the brats and the burgers. I've never combined the barbecue with NHL hockey, though. The two just do not seem to go hand in hand. But I'm willing to give it a try. Well, what a run, though, for the Boston teams. Because if you think about this, if the Bruins can win two games in a row, which isn't isn't out of the you know, that's not out of the question. Not at all. Think about the the Patriots won a Super Bowl in oh four. Mm-hmm. The the Red the Red Sox have won in oh seven. The Celtics won in oh eight. So if they win in two thousand and eleven, you're talking about all four major sports. And I think the New England Revolution actually got a title somewhere in the in the middle of their coach. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 a pretty nice run for a city over the last uh seven years. Don't forget the Boston Massacre and the Boston Tea Party. That was, that was a while back. Yeah, a little bit of time in between. But, yeah, and, and Boston used to be a, a city frustrated from championships, kind of made fun of a little bit similar to our beloved city of Chicago, but no longer, Big Dog. They're becoming, becoming the city of champions. Yeah, basically it was like the Boston Celtics, and uh, like which is one of the most racist cities. Is, Boston is one of the most racist cities in the country. Mm-hmm. And the only team that won there was their basketball team. Used to drive them crazy. The Celtics, the Bruins, and the Patriots always got their butts handed to them. Not anymore. No, no. Not okay. anymore. We will see game six tonight. It should be interesting. Big Dog and a coach at your service, 888-463-6748. One-hour show. Lots to get to in the world of sports, Big Dog. And uh, let's go to baseball real quick. And then we do have some titillating tidbits and news and notes, lots of other stuff happening over the weekend. But uh, first, with your two favorite teams, or I should say your favorite team, Chicago Cubs lose three out of four to the Philadelphia Phillies. The good news is they're back home today. Beautiful weather at Wrigley Field. All is good and love and war, Big Dog. Bring on the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, you know, they, they couldn't take advantage of some pretty decent pitching that they got over the weekend for the coach. Uh, 
losing three out of four was they they played a little bit better than that. Yeah, but but typical of the Cubs this year, they can't expect any results. In, in close games, they always seem to to miss out on a let a ball drop in or yep. move a runner over. That's basically been the story this year. Thirteen losses last sixteen games. It's ugly. Yep, lost uh, Saturday seven to five, Sunday four to three. Actually played decent baseball. Their best reliever, their most consistent guy, Sean Marshall, gave up uh, some big hits, and uh, you know that's uh, just that at bat by Ryan Howard versus Sean Marshall. Awfully, was, awfully good. That was unbelievable. Yep. I mean, Sean Marshall threw a great pitch. He threw great pitch after great pitch, and then Howard kept on him off. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it was a, a low and away curveball that. That Howard golf for a base hit. I mean, sometimes you got to tip your hat. I mean, yep. so let's not get on Sean Marshall for a bad outing. I mean, it was it was bleeding hit bloopers and ground balls that beat him. So. Sometimes you throw good pitches and uh, great batters hit him well, and that is part of the maturation we've seen of the uh, superstar Ryan Howard too. A couple of years ago, Big Dog early in his career hit lots of homers, but he would not have gotten a base hit like that and a bat like that. He has matured, much more disciplined as a hitter. Yeah, you know, this time of year, uh, when you start watching, you know, because, you know, I'm watching all the super regional games with college baseball. Woo, that's good stuff. You yep. know, and, and if you see that same pitch that Sean Marshall threw against Ryan Howard mm-hmm. on, a, on a two-strike count, which he fights off for a base hit in an RBI, that same pitch, you know, when if you're watching against South Carolina, the guy would have looked like an absolute fool. You know what I mean? So you're talking about baseball at its highest level. You can make mm-hmm. a pitch, and, and it's just not good enough. But – if you don't mind, Coach, switching over to the, the Super Regional games, have Woo! you watched any of the college baseball I, so far this year? I've actually watched a fair amount. My one comment would be, and this goes to 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth inning relievers in general in college baseball, when you come in the game and you have a lead, I can't tell you how many times over the last two or three days I've seen that don't walk batter. Stop being so tight. Stop being so cute. I understand they're using aluminum bats. Throw strikes. You got eight guys out there in the field trying to catch the ball. How many walks did we see in clutch situations coming out of the bullpen? Oh, and if, if you don't think there was, uh, uh, what about the Mississippi State Florida game? Yep. Two outs and you walk a guy. Yep. When you're up a run. Oh, I wonder what happens. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That was the wrong game. Wrong game. The, the, the Florida. Uh, Mississippi State guy, the guy did lead off the inning with a walk, okay? Well, Mississippi State in that game had, had regained the lead. They came back, got the big lead. I think they were up six to four, like seventh or eighth inning, and now they come out in their half of the inning, all the momentum in the first two batters. Walk and a walk. You cannot do that. You're a college level division one pitcher. Put the ball over the plate, make them hit. Okay, are you talking about game one of the series? Actually? No! Yesterday. Okay. Yeah, Florida jumped out, right? I watched a lot of baseball. Florida jumped out with a 4 nothing lead. I think I got the right game. Mississippi State came back. Yeah, because I, I, I thought that Mississippi State won the game 5-4 with no. a walk-off home run. By no, no, no. Yesterday? Yeah, that was no, no, no. Monday Florida. Game, Coach. Florida won the series. Two days ago. That was, that was two days ago. Yesterday's game, Mississippi State, the kid, a kid walk, led off the inning down one with a walk. The Mississippi State coach was going to have uh, one of their better hitters bunt. And and the, the kid stopped, turned, and stared down the coach. And <laughs> the coach of Mississippi State was like, well, I saw a look in his eyes. So I was like, well, swing away then. Yep. And the kid goes up there on the first pitch, hits the ball about 450 feet. Well, maybe not that far. That's <laughs> good coaching. a bomb. That's good coaching right there. <laughs> yeah. some, some of the best decisions you make are the ones you don't make, right? Uh, so, yeah, he told the bunt and pulled the yeah. coach. Yeah.
That's all right. You got to listen to your player. Nothing wrong with that at all. 888-463-6748. Yeah, the college baseball tournament, NCAA style. We're trying to get to the College World Series, your final eight teams. I think there's still a few more left to go. How about, uh, I meant to ask you this on Friday, Big Dog, all these powerhouse teams, Cal State, Florida, Florida, Tennessee's, Alabama, Dallas, Baptist, made the made the Super Regionals? Who and or what? <laughs> and I don't mean to insult them. I'm glad they're there, but uh, and they, they did get knocked out, but... Have you ever heard of Dallas Baptist? I never have, Coach, and I had no idea they were in the Super Regionals. Who were they? Who were they playing in California? Oh, okay. The Cal Bear. I did not see yeah. one inning of that particular series. Yeah, well, that's because all the games I think started like at ten o'clock at night. But uh, kudos to the fine folks from Dallas Baptist. If we have any Dallas Baptist alumni in our listening audience, we'd love to hear from you. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. David Olson. Anybody calls up from Dallas Baptist? Put them right ahead of the other 19 callers. <laughs> Good to know, Coach. Thank you very much, Big Dog. How about your Chicago White Sox getting on a little bit of a roll? Well, they're still under 500, but they uh, win a couple in a row. They're playing better, and they're only three and a half out of first place, Big Dog. That's pretty amazing. Uh, Coach, th- this is no <laughs> joke. The, the, by the end of the year, the, the American League is going to have about nine teams vying between 84 to 87 wins, mm-hmm. okay? And all those teams are going to be battling for the American League Central, the American League West, and the American League Wild Card because the, the, the Red Sox are about to pull away and win 100 games this season, even yep. though they started out 0-6 or 0-7. Yep. Um, I really see unbelievable races all over baseball this year. Legitimately, like, it's, it's going to be a phenomenal year. So the fact that the White Sox are only three and a half back, Something tells me uh, they're going to finally start hitting the ball and, and winning some games, and something tells me the Tigers are going to do the same. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a good year, a, a fun summer, Coach. I certainly hope so, and get a lot more fun for the Chicago White Sox as we go. The continued amazing story. I'm now, my new nickname for him, Big Dog, is Roy Halliday Light, and I'm talking about Phil Umber, our number five starter at the start of the year again. Yesterday, the guys on automatic pilot, seven innings, gave up a couple of runs and uh, pitched, if not spectacularly, gave another quality performance. You're exactly right, Coach, and uh, he's been huge. I I don't know what type of award you can give, but I I will say this. He belongs on the American League All-Star team. Yep. Okay, so far. And and another guy that belongs on the American League All-Star team but won't be on it, but I'm telling you right now there's pretty much – if the Cubs, if the Sox want Alfonso Soriano, I'll be more than happy to trade him for Brent Lillibridge at any time. Woo. Brent Lillibridge is a guy that I can see winning a World Series on a team, Coach, because mm-hmm. legitimately, you know, um, uh, they do the web gems on ESPN, okay? Brent Lillibridge this year has the second amount of web gems of anybody in the league. Believe it or not, Sam Fold has the most. Brent Lillibridge has the second most. And Brett Lillibridge has him at four different positions. You know, it, it, you're exactly right. He's not going to make the All-Star game. He's probably deserved unless they have, like, the utility player of the year. But it's kind of interesting, uh, you know, all the analysts and all the expertise in the preseason of the White Sox and all the money that has been dished out. And it's interesting. Now, Paul Canerco, you don't want to forget him. He was expected to be very good, and again, he is consistently very good. You can't take his excellence for granted. The guy's amazing. But after Canerco, Big Doyle, the, the next two most valuable players for the White Sox weren't even mentioned in any preseason scouting report, Phil Umber and Brent Lillibridge. So, uh, you know, oh, the irony 
But those yeah. are, would you agree, those are your next two MVPs? Yeah, without question. Absolutely. I mean, uh, Sergio Santos could have been in that discussion, but the last 10 days Woo! have been really shaky for Sergio. Sergio. Oh, question. Last, yes, last night was a heart attack city. Yeah, so, uh, hopefully he gets that ship right in or whatever the heck the expression is for that. Yep. Uh, but you know you're exactly right. Who would have thought Bill, Phil Umber and yeah. if you would have said that at the beginning of the year, you'd been like, "Oh no, the White Sox are having a horrible year." Yep. You know, but yeah, that's that's not the situation right now. Thirty million for this guy, twenty million for this guy, one hundred and twenty-five million in six years. Two of your three best players are Lillibridge and Umber. I'm going to guess they don't have uh, multi-million-dollar long-term contracts. I am going to throw Carlos Quinton in there, who, by the way, he's been good. Is is slugging the ball as well as anybody in the American League outside of. Adrian Gonzalez, who yep. nobody's hitting the ball as well in the American League. Seriously, I mean, I know Quinton's only hitting about 270, mm-hmm. but he's driving in ridiculous amounts of runs, and he seems to be doing it at, at important times, and he's been having quality at bat after quality at bat. So, you know, I've watched a lot of White Sox baseball this year because, quite simply, I, I have to admit, Steve Stone has been able to keep Ken Hawk Harrelson in check. And Harrelson, Harrelson hasn't been able to just wax off with hyperbole, and he's actually had to bring a good broadcast. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you, I watch White Sox games on thoroughly entertained, and I learned so much about baseball lately. Harrelson, his career was saved by Steve Stone. Yeah, just throwing that out there, coach. It's an interesting combination. At first, uh, like uh, two chemical products you put together that, that kind of stay separate, but they're starting to blend. They're both very good. And they both have unique styles. They're starting to blend in, and it is becoming a pretty comfortable broadcast. But it's it's an interesting combo. Two yeah. strong personalities. Yeah, it's and we we no longer have uh, Harrelson bullying DJ right. uh, in the booth. Yeah, and uh, and DJ is much better with Ed Farmer on the radio. I, I I don't listen to much of that. I will bet you by the end of this summer I'll I'll listen to about three hours of White Sox baseball on the mm-hmm. radio. Yeah, there's so not. I, yeah. you know, Ed Farmer's the last of the angry young man, but it's not a bad listen. And Keith Moreland, the Cubs announcer, who I you know haven't been throwing, getting better. Still not great, but I'm I'm starting to get used to him a little bit. Okay, coach. Well, you're going to have to get used to yes. him because if you're going to be doing yard work in the city of Chicago, you're going to have to get used to the. To the radio guys, but you know I have listened to very little uh, Cub baseball. To be honest with you, this year on the radio, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I, I'm really gonna. I have to hold my judgment on you because I really want to keep Moreland, but you know I, I'm not 100 percent sold either. It seems like every time I listen to a Cub game, it's mm-hmm. Judge Surratt inning, and I have to turn to channel, turn to channel. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't listen to Judge Surratt. He's oh my goodness. I That's do like miss. Uh, I do miss Ronnie. Tell us about the next pitcher coming in. Well, I don't have the scouting report, but if I recall, uh, Pat, uh, Patrick, he likes to work quickly. Uh, he likes to work ahead in the count, and uh, he likes to keep the ball down in the zone. Uh, it's the same thing you said about the pitcher the last three days, Ronnie. He, he loves the pitch with a lead, too. Loves the pitch with the lead. <laughs> hey, real quick, some other stories out there. The Belmont this weekend uh, Advertise as a battle between Animal Kingdom, the winner of the Derby, and Shackleford, the winner of the Preakness. And, of course, with all the great racing analysts, none of them predicted 24-to-1 shot ruler on ice who won in the slop at the Belmont Big Dug. An unpredictable year for three-year-old horses, no doubt. Yeah, uh, Coach, I don't know anything about horse racing except for the fact that if you like women with hats, you want to get into the sport. Oh, beautiful hats. And I I can dig a chick with a hat, Coach. I don't know what it is. I'm like putty in their hands, coach. <laughs> You'd be one of those derby-esque uh, 
rather showy hats? Oh, I love a nice show hat. Oh, oh boy, I'll bet you had a great time watching the uh, the wedding in, in in Britain a couple of weeks ago, huh? I, I I pretty much I had to change the channel, Coach. I was on CNBC. I'm trying to get a stock update. Next thing I know, I, I had to have a private moment. <laughs> you didn't overheat uh, with that private moment with a Pippa Middleton, did you? Yeah, I did. Oh. I was was Pippa the one who wore that, whatever they call that hat? There's, there's one famous hat that got auctioned off on eBay for like millions of dollars. I think it was Pippa. David Olson looking at me confused. There was one hat that gained notoriety, became somewhat of a uh, Facebook uh, text, Internet sensation, and it actually and, went on and eBay. It took like an hour. Huh? It only took like an hour, and all of a sudden every single woman on the planet wanted the hat. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that might have been a Pippa Middle. Oh, she's still single and available, Big Dog. You could uh, take your kayak over, leave the Chicago River, take a quick trip to the U.K. You could be the lucky winner of the Pippa Middleton sweepstakes. Why not? Uh, you know, it, it's it's funny that you said that because yesterday when I was giving the tour, somebody <laughs> yeah. was like, oh, yeah, uh, Lydia owns a, a condo here at the Trump Tower. So I was like joking. I'm like, hey, does Lydia have a boyfriend? They all started laughing. They're like, no, she probably would like you. I'm like, oh. They're like, cool, because Lydia really likes dating guys 50 years younger than her. Who? Well, you know, I, I, Wait a minute. Time out, time out, time out. Who's Lydia? Lydia is just like an old woman who owns a condo oh. in uh, Trump Towers. Okay. Okay, so I'm sure my girlfriend wouldn't mind, Coach. Nah, especially, what the heck? Especially, yeah, especially if we got to stay in the condo. Yeah, sure. you got to write it off to experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Are you able to, on your tours, Big Dog, uh, are you able to bring out the famous Big Dog sense of humor, or are you pretty much on the straight and narrow right now? Oh, are you kidding me, Coach? That's all I have is the sense of humor. Okay, so the boss yeah, doesn't mind you. Go with. Okay. That's the only thing I go with. So okay. People, uh, normally, like, when people are like, hey, is the, is the river really that nasty? And I'd be like, hey, seriously, it's not as bad as you think. The dead bodies in there weren't killed <laughs> by the water in the river, okay? Uh, and that usually they'll be like, what? Are you serious? So. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that usually makes people a little at ease, sometimes, a little. Uh, not much. All right. So if if not architectural accuracy, at least they get uh, a little entertainment value from the it's kayak really trip. not an architectural tour, Coach. That, that's so, I don't know, that's so passe. This is the story of the history of the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Because like, the original inhabitants uh, basically went around the city collecting wild onions via kayaks. So yep. basically, I tell the story from... 1673 to today, and, and wrap it all up, Coach. Do you get into the uh, world's famous Chicago Fire? Oh, we go absolutely talk about that because uh, the river and the Chicago Fire are, go hand-in-hand, hand, Coach. Yeah, I forgot what happened. Did the fire fire actually jumped over the river, correct? Can you believe that? It jumped yeah. the river. Yeah. 70-mile-an-hour winds, okay, and plus the fact that everything was made of wood, this intense fire... There was something called fire devils, and, you know, a lot of heat will create pressure and wind. Plus, you had 70-mile-an-hour winds, so, like, a, a big chunk of a building, you know, gets really weak because it's on fire, and then a big gust of wind blows that chunk of building across with the heat devil, okay, across the uh, the river. It lands on top of another wood building. That building starts on fire, and you add 70-degree heat next to you, and it'll go, it goes so fast uh, north that 100,000 people are homeless in a matter of, like, an hour and a half. Just a little bit, folks, a little, little chip off the old block, a little bit of the tour that you could be part of if you go to waterriders.com this Thursday afternoon. The Big Dog will be giving a kayak special. More stories like that and probably some that can't be repeated over here on the radio. Oh, yeah, you could. Do you, do you work blue on the kayak? Do I work who? Do you work blue? What does that mean? Uh, adult. 
Oh, yes, yes. We do <laughs> different. So we look at the age group, we talk to them a little bit, and we find out. Because, trust me, when we start talking about the, the Roger Plant stories, coach, the original <laughs> yeah. Al Capone of the city of Chicago, you can't have children in there. So, if you, like, so you know, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta adjust your okay. tour depending on who you're doing it with. Depending on the clientele. That's the sign of a true professional, able to adjust his game. Very nicely done. We do have, we do have, uh, not only a blue one, we have a black one. And that is, uh, instead of just talking about the illicit <laughs> stuff you can do in Chicago, you actually get to do the illicit stuff you get to do in Chicago. Ah, cool. So, so you get out of your, you get out of your kayaks, you actually recreate some of the history yourself? Oh, that, that one has been extremely popular, Coach. Uh, wow. Especially for the, the 20% off at, <clears throat> at the, the Burlesque Club that we, that we have a <laughs> with. Excellent, Coach. You know. Oh, goodness gracious. All right, well, we'll get details on that, I'm sure, as we go. A uh, couple other quick stories, Big Dog. First of all, uh, looking ahead to this weekend, this is U.S. Open Week. Very, very exciting. I think they're playing at the Congressional golf course in bethesda maryland a hacker like you i'm assuming you've never played the congressional no coach you know i've only golfed seven times in my entire life and besides <laughs> that one place that we go to in hoffman estate uh-huh. every other golf course that i've been to has been absolutely incredible and legendary i'm not kidding you seven times it. in your life yes and 38 uh, years old so once every five years well, not even, well, like, I guess since I've been, like, 21. Wow. I played at the TPC at Sawgrass. Okay. You know, with the one with the number 17 is the Island Hole. Played on that golf course. Okay, I played at the, the the what do you call it, the Valley Course down in Tucson, where basically the course is set inside of canyons that, like, are part of, like, the Grand Canyon. You know how, like, they, they keep mm-hmm. on going on forever. So when you, when you hit a bad shot and you yell, four, you get, like, echoes coming from all over? And it hits the, like all the fairways are in the middle of these huge canyon runs. Cool. The ball hits the canyon runs right in the sounds, middle of the, sounds, of the fairways. Sounds like a course I could have some success in. Yeah, it's pretty expensive, but I tell you, it's, it's a phenomenal course. You know, and then the number one public golf course in the world is in Jacksonville, Illinois. Mm-hmm. I, I played that too. It, it's really phenomenal. I, seriously, I think I'll probably get Pebble Beach and Augusta before I'll even be able to, to do the, the, the three par Streeterville one. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about quantity, it's about quality. Big Doug, you played some of the finest tournaments. But with that, uh, as your background reputation, having played seven times in your life, you will be, by the way, as you were our NASCAR expert a couple of weeks ago, you will be, as the week progresses, our golfing expert. You'll be breaking down the U.S. Open, whether you want to or not. Big Doug, you're the guy. You know, you know what? Uh, we can get a little puff the chest because we here in the city of uh, Chicago and, and us Big Ten fans, can proudly say that the number one golfer in the world is Northwestern's very own Luke Donald at yep. the moment. Can yep. you believe that, Luke Donald? By way of England, but uh, he did play his collegiate golf in uh, the fine city of Chicago, Evanston to be more specific. And, uh, isn't that who would have yeah. told you ever? If, if somebody would have told you he would have ended up being the number one golfer in the world at any point, would you have said that? I would say that's possible, but it's not going to happen. Bit of a stretch. I remember hearing about him as a college kid. You read about him a little bit, but no. To project him as the number one pro all time, that was a stretch. But he's done a big dog, not of spectacular championships, but he's reached number one in an equally spectacular, maybe spectacular is the wrong word, but he's done it by consistently finishing top ten, top five, and that's awful tough to do. Yeah, it is. I mean, he continually gets top ten finishers. Luke Donald is on the. It's, you're watching golf at four o'clock on a Sunday. Luke Donald is on the leaderboard. Yeah, yep. it's not not as sexy. You don't get your name in the headlines because you're not winning tons of tournaments, but you consistently 
tournament in, tournament out, finish top five, top ten, as Phil Mickelson used to do pretty regularly. That's pretty impressive. Hey, speaking of impressive, but I gotta throw this note out to you. I read in the, uh, the paper, uh, the Texas A&M NCAA track and field championships. Okay. Texas A&M, the Fighting Aggies, both their men's team and their women's team, national championships, and I think I've got this correct, both of them, both of them did the three-peat, three consecutive years. I had no idea. Wow. No, I didn't either. That's that. If, in fact, that is true, that's that's, that's an unbelievable record. That, that is unreal, Coach. I did not know that that was going on down in, tax, and down in, uh, in Texas. So. so apparently if you can run, jump, or throw a shot, put Texas A&M as a place to go to. Yes. I, I do remember Tennessee definitely had the same time they won national championships at the same year, and mm-hmm. so did USC sometime in the early 80s uh, for uh, track and field. But, wow, three in a row? Mm-hmm. That's that's impressive. For both the women and the guys. By the way, uh, also impressive, 62,000. 62,000 fans show up to Soldier Field yesterday, not for a Bears game, but to watch Mexico take on Costa Rica in round one of the <laughs> the CONCACAF Cup. Coach, I really wish I would have known, because i got to tell you something. The only thing hotter than Mexican chicks is Costa Rican chicks. Take it easy. Take it easy. But I actually, honestly, right now my teenage kids are totally hindering my social and professional. I can't do anything. Can't go. First of all, they don't want to hang with us. Well, I, I don't got time them. to get it all. But the bottom line is, we can't go out anywhere because you have to. You can't leave the house open when there's teenagers coming in and out. Anyhow, I thought it would have been really cool from a cultural standpoint and a soccer standpoint to go to Soldier Field and watch uh, that particular yeah. match and just check out the crowd. I bet it would have been great entertainment. That would have been awesome because those people from Costa Rica, they, they make this homemade hard alcohol that they put like an old Pepsi bottle, you know, the old 16 ounce one. <laughs> yeah. Talking about, uh, oh, coach, that stuff is awesome. If you want, if you want your kids to have a cultural experience, have them sit by one of those for a couple minutes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, big dog, we got to wrap it up. Uh, so you're good all week this week, huh? Uh, yes, uh, and, and what I talk about, I'm, I can do any afternoons, people, especially Thursdays, if you want to do a tour. Do I, we'll, we'll give you the big dog, uh, two guys and a mic special to do the tour on uh, any afternoon during the weekday. Beautiful. We'll talk about it tomorrow as well. 10 o'clock, we'll be back at you, folks. Thank you so much for listening. David Olson, our producer, great job. As per always, TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic signing off. Have a great day, everybody.